Uh, today, I'd actually like to do a special item, but it's something that I've been flipping back and forth about, and um, for some of you, most of you who have been joining us each week in our series on Romans, you will find that um, <clears throat> this song has is quite significant. So um, it's called uh, "When I Cry." Making a list of all of the good things you've done for me. Lord, I've never been one to complain. But right now I'm lost and I can't find my way. My world's come apart. And it's breaking my heart But it helps to know That your heart is breaking too When I cry, you cry When I hurt, you hurt When I've lost someone It takes a piece of you too When I fall on my face you fill me with grace Cause nothing breaks your heart Or tears you apart Like when I cry Alone in the dark Facing my hands Crying out to you Lord, there's never been a time in my life There's so much at stake There's so much to lose But I trust it to you That you bring me through And it helps me to know That I'm not alone When I cry, you cry When I hurt, you hurt And when I've lost someone It takes a piece of you too When I fall on my face You fill me with grace Cause nothing breaks your heart or tears you apart like when I cry you're the one who calmed the raging sea you're the one who made the blind to see you look through all of heaven and eternity and through I hurt, you hurt, when I've lost someone, it 
takes a piece of you too When I fall on my face You fill me with grace Nothing breaks your heart Or tears you apart Like when I So I invite you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. If you're just joining us this morning, we're going through a few verses today starting at 26. I'm actually not sure how many we'll get through today. I'm going to play it by ear. I did prepare to go all the way through to verse 28, which is definitely one of the top 10. Uh, I'd say top five, top five, top five like favourite verses of uh, if you go and survey every Christian in the world. I think Romans eight twenty eight would be up there as like a life verse for sure. Whether we get onto that because I want to try to focus quite a, a bit on that verse. Um, <clears throat> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. If you're just joining us, though, we've been talking about groanings. There's all these groanings that seems to be, seem to be happening. And last week we talked about creation groanings and then us groaning. Creation. And just I thought, I thought about this more about the week. And just to let you know, just to make sure we are on the same page, I don't think, by the way, that there is that weed in the garden and it's literally, literally groaning and waiting for it to become new again, okay? I don't think, for example, if we go down to the closest zoo, what is it, Australia Zoo? And you, you see a, a lion there. I don't think he's actually literally groaning to be made new again. But we are told that creation is groaning though. And yes, we discovered that it is personification, a, a, a use of imagery that shows or that relates a non-living thing behaving like a living thing. But could it be that Paul describes it that way just to show that this world is not going to be around forever? Including everything, absolutely everything. Lancia, it is going to be made new. Is there going to be nature in heaven? Well, yes. There is going to be nature in heaven. We're told in Revelation about, remember that tree we read about with 12 kinds of fruit? I wonder what they're going to be. Which implies that we're going to eat. Not sure how we're going to digest it, whether we have to or not. But think about animals. Are we going to have animals in heaven? Lots of kids ask the question Is my pet going to heaven? Really, we can't answer that question because it's not in the Bible. But there are passages 
describing heaven where there are animals, horses, there are animals. How it's all going to play out, I don't know. So I just say, yeah, sure, your pet's going to be in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> when we have our glorified bodies, we're not really going to care whether, you know, I hate to say, you know, I'm just, I, I teach all these students and they all live on farms and I say, what, how many, how many guinea pigs do you have? Like, how many chickens do you have? And to say what, I, I'm talking about hundreds of pets that these children have. Because they, obviously they do their spe- they play their special part, but to say that, whoa, all of them will be in heaven, it's like, whoa, I don't, I, I don't know. But nature is groaning. And then we ourselves, we can relate easily to that. Yes, we groan. And the older we get, we seem to groan more. And there's all these things that happen in the world that cause us to groan more. But then someone else is groaning. Someone else is groaning. And this is a bit mind-boggling for me. We go to verse 26. There's some assurance for us in this verse. There's some assurance. Because it says here, the Spirit Himself, and I believe this is talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, The Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Which cannot be uttered. Now firstly, notice that it's the Holy Spirit making the groanings. It's not us. It's not us. It's very important to to read that. And the reason I say that is because there's an interpretation of this verse that says, yeah, I don't know how to pray, so I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to pray it for me, but to do it through me. And because it's nothing that cannot be uttered, there's no words for it, well, the logical conclusion is that we'll do it in a language that is unknown to me. That we call speaking in tongues. And so a lot of people read this verse, and the question is, is Paul trying to say here, that this is when we should speak in tongues. Now, regardless of your experience with speaking in tongues, with the, uh, I've seen a few. I've never um, witnessed it firsthand because um, I haven't been to many charismatic churches, but I see obviously a lot on videos. Going back to this verse, to me the logical answer is no. Why? Firstly, it does say the Holy Spirit groans, not us. 
So we are implying something that it's coming through us. Can the Holy Spirit groan, okay, for us, but not through us? Ultimately, what? We couldn't say yes or no to that. Secondly, go back to the start of the verse. Likewise, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about groanings, which when you look at the Greek, we know, we don't even have to look at the Greek, a groaning is like a sigh. It's like an expression of sorrow, suffering. When you hear someone speaking in tongues, well, is it usually done in a sorrowing kind of way? No, it's usually done in a, like a joyful way when you see it done. Now there are, interestingly enough, um, people who, who just wish they could speak in tongues every single moment of every single day just because they believe they're speaking mysteries to God. Just because the interpretation really of this is the Holy Spirit is communicating to the Father above, because they are, remember, two separate people, but they're the, they're the same God. They're communicating to the Father, and you have the privilege of knowing the language that's being communicated. Kind of like a code. You know the code between the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father. You have that privilege. You have that gift. We read verses in other passages, and we don't have time to go through it. When we are praying in the Spirit, a lot of people read praying in the Spirit, and they automatically relate it to speaking in tongues, speaking in a heavenly, angelic language. But I'm just going to say that's not what praying in the Spirit means. Praying in the Spirit can mean that you have the Spirit in mind. You're focusing on the Spirit when you are praying. For instance, am I praying in the Spirit? And I've used this illustration a number of times. Just say I do, we need a new car. Am I praying in the Spirit when I pray for a new Ferrari? Or am I praying in the Spirit when I just need a car? I just need transport. Hypothetically speaking, I'm in that situation where I do need a car. You're focusing on the Spirit. So when you relate this context to sorrow, I don't know, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it how um, someone can say, or someone can force this, message, uh, this passage into saying, hey, you're speaking in an angelic language. But then it brings up the question. It's just interesting to me that the Holy Spirit being God groans as well. And so I just relate it 
to that song that I just sung. When I cry, when I'm groaning, he's groaning. He's crying. Not literally, but you know what I mean? He cares for you. He's, he's alongside you. And when my heart is broken, his heart is there for you too. He cares. He loves us. And so this is my interpretation when I see, when I read about the Holy Spirit groaning for us. He's making intercession for us, pleading on behalf of us to the Father above. Now it's repeated twice in verse 27 how he makes intercession for us. But first of all, now he who searches the hearts. Who searches the hearts? God the Father, right? We know this from a number of verses. One in particular, I just picked out Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, well, it's right there, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person. Don't worry about the, the context. I'm not going into that. But, your verses where we are told God knows the heart. He searches the heart. So I believe that he, we can safely say, is God the Father. He searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Okay? He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he, the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So come back to the overall picture of what Paul's trying to do. All through Romans, Romans is just, this is like the, the doctrine of salvation. This is for the first time where Paul actually puts it on paper what salvation actually means. And he's going to finish it off in Romans chapter 8, with a few more specifics. But this stuff, this stuff is to some people is a, whoa, whoa, this is like too deep for me. What's going on? All I need to know is that the Holy Spirit lives in me. Blah, blah, blah. That's it. But isn't it interesting that when I'm going through something, the Holy Spirit is making intercession for me? Which might put a question in your mind. Hey, Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Um, if you go ahead and read beforehand, which we'll come to in later weeks, isn't he our intercessor? Doesn't he make intercession for us? And really, some versions might say, you know, pleading on your behalf, or, or he's praying for us, he's, he's, he's lifting us up, he's, he's, he's devoting us towards the Father. Whatever synonym you want to put in there. Intervening for us. To have his mind and his, his um, perspective is, is um, the, the description on this slide that I have up. But there it is in verse 34, 
Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Does that bring questions into your mind? What's going on? Why? Who's interceding? Who's praying for us? Is it, is it the Holy Spirit? Is it Jesus? Is it both? That's just phenomenal in my life. It's like we have, we have God, three people, and you, you are at the top of their prayer list. You are at the topic of their conversation. And you might say, oh, come on, Tim. How many are of there? Are, 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 how many are there of us in the world? We can't all be at the top of the list. Well, he's God. Yes, we can. <laughs> We're on their mind. Continually. Well, those who have the Holy Spirit in us, of course. Remember, Paul has just described those who are saved, those who are his children, have the Spirit of God in them. But where, 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 we're on their prayer list. They're continually praying for us. So we'll get into, the. I think there's different functions, and we'll get into that when we go to verse 34. It's too much for today. And then we come to this verse, and, and I think I am going to finish it there um, and come back to this ne- this week since next week we are having communion, so um, it's always good to have a, a short message um, as the service is long enough. So um, I'm going to leave it there for now and just, just bask in the thought this week that whatever you're going through, and knowing, next verse, you all know, right? Next verse that, hey, with our feeble minds, our limited knowledge, limited wisdom, um, there are some things that happen to us that we just wonder why, right? Why in the world? What in the world are you doing, Lord? Firstly, no, though, and I'll get into more this next week. It's not necessarily God orchestrating it. We can't say that because straight away I just think of someone who's, I don't know, um, something horrific. A child's been raped. I cannot fathom God orchestrating that to happen. So we cannot say that God has orchestrated absolutely everything when we're talking about God's sovereignty. It is just a result of being a part of this fallen world. God allows it? Yes. We don't know why. God allows some things to happen in our own lives. Something big might have happened to you this week. God allowed it. Was it good? Probably not. But know this. Everything that's happening to you, he's working it together for good. 
That's what we have to put our trust in. That's what we have to put our hope in. That's so important. So important to believe. Because there's a guy, he's roaming around like a warring lion, seeking whom he may devour. One of his titles is the accuser. And he's going to accuse you and say, God's doing that. And it's because you're not living up to his standard. You're not doing what you should do. And all these thoughts get into our minds. And then doubts arise. We've got to come back to knowing. To knowing that everything in your life is working together for good. And that good is ultimately, ultimately a glorification. We have to trust in that. We have to believe it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God that is sovereign. You are a God that is in control of absolutely everything in this world. And there are things that we don't get on why you allow such things to occur and then you stop other things from happening. Father, we really, it's not our place to know. It's our place to trust. Thank you that you are trustworthy. You are worthy of all our trust. Help us this week to put all our trust in you. To trust with you with all our heart. To acknowledge you in all our ways. We know it's easier to say this here as we're sitting in a safe place on a Sunday morning, Lord, but another story to go out there. So we're just thankful, Father, that the Spirit in us is always making intercession for us on our behalf. Thank you for your whole plan of, of how you've just organized absolutely everything in, 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 in making us your children. Just thank you for your love, and for your grace and for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.